This episode is brought to you by Arden Labs Education. Sign up today to learn advanced concepts in Go, Docker, Kubernetes, Terraform, and more. Visit ardenlabs.com forward slash education for more information. Uh, welcome to the On Labs podcast. Our special guest today is Tracy Holmes. Oh my God, it's Tracy! <laughs> Hi, hey, Tracy. Wow, how are I'm you? So ex- I'm so excited because I don't know Tracy at all. She popped up in my Twitter feed, uh, I think last week, and I was like, "Okay, I got to talk to Tracy." <laughs> So thank you for for uh, taking my DM and jumping on the podcast. No worries. I'm see. I'm the nervous one. I know all about you. And I was like, Liz, Bill Kennedy reached out to me. She's like, yeah, go for it. I was like, all right. All right. Cool. All right, Tracy, tell everybody where you're talking to us from today. I am in the normally sixth level of Hades uh, state of Mississippi, <laughs> but but this oh. week I've got the windows open. So once we pass hurricane and flood season, it kind of cools down a little bit. So I've got windows open today. I'm happy. My daughter just moved to Hattiesburg. Yes, that's where my alma mater is. Oh, okay. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, she just moved there because her boyfriend got into medical school there and she's a nurse. And um, I still haven't visited her yet. She's a little upset about that. But I will be in Mississippi at some point for the first time in my life. So, yeah, don't don't stop anywhere you don't have to. Just, you know, <laughs> go straight and hook her right and hit Hattiesburg and you'll be okay. Problem is, she's like an hour and a half from the airport. I, I, like, I'm not used to having to travel that far after you land. Oh, yeah. So I actually live an hour away from the airport. So add that into all my DA traveling. Um, you're roughly two hours from the airport if you follow the speed limit, but it's like a straight shot. So it's not, it's not horrible. Well, I'll let you know what my experience is when I, I it's not going to be this year. It will be next year, but, but I, um, it will be a state. I, I don't count. See, my, my rule is unless you sleep overnight somewhere, you don't get to count being there, right? Like you've got to sleep overnight for it to count. Cause you travel through airports and you travel like, that doesn't count. Yeah, I traveled through Tokyo. It doesn't mean I've been to Tokyo, right? You got to sleep there. <laughs> these, these are rules that you 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 have to develop no, over time. I, I agree. That's how I ended up in Iceland. They were like, "You're going through Iceland." No, 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 no. There's a hotel involved. Did you did you like Iceland? I've been there once. I honestly don't need to ever go back. I'm gonna be honest with you. Seriously, I so I didn't get to do all the things. I they have great bread. Um, that's totally a side point, but uh, I didn't get to do all the things that I wanted to do. It's one of those things that like, if you take, what is it? Iceland air, they like throw it in for like an extra 20 bucks. You can stop over in Iceland. And I was on my way to Berlin and that's how I got there. But to answer your question, yes, I did. It was exceptionally clean. It was walkable. Now I need to go back and do like all of the, the, the coast visits and the caves and all that kind of stuff. So that's on my bucket list. The moment a hot dog costs like 10 bucks, I'm like, and this happened in like Switzerland's like the same thing, right? Like the moment a hot dog is ten dollars, I'm done. I'm like, we're we're done. That's like two hundred dollars a day on the ground. You notice I said the bread was great. Like that was the <laughs> the key word was I survived off a of coffee and bread for twenty four hours. And it's funny you mentioned Switzerland because I have to host EBPF summit in a couple of weeks. 
And if the company wasn't funding my my <laughs> that portion of it, yeah, I'd be on sandwich duty all week. Like I was living off a of per diem. No, Tracy, you don't understand. In Switzerland, it's better to go eat the higher quality food because the cost the same as like the bar food. Like, Seriously? Yeah. Oh, I'm no, no. You have no idea. I walked into a bar thinking I was going to get a some chicken nuggets and some fries that cost as much as a beautiful plate of pasta in another in another restaurant the time I was there in Zurich. I was like, I took an hour. I'm so bad at picking restaurants. I spent an hour walking around Zurich trying to find a place that I thought was affordable. And I gave up. I was starving. I, ended up, I had to drop 40 bucks for a little plate of pasta. I said, I'm done. This is not my And this is, this is why not I'm my not gig. a manager. This is why I'm not a manager or a director. You know why? Because ICs never pay when they, they have good rapport with their managers and directors. Because the person with the biggest paycheck gets to pay for everybody at the table. It's a survival thing. Got to learn that survival thing. <laughs> well, that was rough. Those, those were two rough trips. When it, and it's not like, I'm, let's be honest, I can afford a $10 hot dog. It's just paying $10 for the hot dog, which just was like, was, it was just tough. Tough, like. I don't know why mentally. All right, we got to get off this stuff. We got we got to get back to you. I, I invited you. So Tracy said she was going to ramble. Now she's got me going off on sidetrack. So, so this is brilliant. This is going to be so good. All right, Tracy. All right, a couple couple. Of this this podcast is about you and your journey in tech. But before we can kind of talk about that, give everybody the two minute elevator pitch on kind of what you're doing today. I am a technical community advocate at a company called Isovalent, and I'm on the open source side, so I get to deal with eBPF and Cilium all day long. And then I get to work for Liz Rice, which sounds great, but it's also terrifying in a good way. Um, so yeah, that's currently where I'm at now. That's brilliant. I just saw Liz give a talk at GopherCon UK on the and first time, actually, um, I understood what EB ebpf was and really how it works so liz is so good at giving those those she kind of talks is. she absolutely is so that's why i like working for her and she and it, she never comes off like she's as nice you know how you see somebody in the community and you're like ah oh, they're probably <laughs> and then you start working for her, you're like holy crap she's actually pretty darn awesome all right and it's never this person works for me. It's my colleague, this and Tracy does that. And I get opinions asked and I feel like I contribute. And it's like a great working. I, I didn't come from a, such a great working uh, <laughs> environment. So that was like the perfect nurturing environment uh, where people actually expect you to do your job and trust you to do your job. And it's kind of great. Yeah, I treat you like an adult and, and um, set the expectation and you just got to do it. I said that publicly in Slack the first week. I was like, hey, hey, I, um, first of all, you are all my people. You, you all are my people. You're just as weird as I am. That's very comforting. But also, also, you treat me like an adult and I don't know how to handle that. So give me a couple of weeks. And then let's be because I wasn't expecting that at all. Yeah, she's very genu genuine. The, 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 I've, I've gotten to meet her a few times over the, over the years and she's, She's absolutely genuine, so it's cool. So that's an awesome job you have there with an awesome company working on some awesome tech. I can't wait to hear how you how you got there. So we're gonna go back in the time machine, Tracy. Unfortunately, I'm gonna <laughs> age you a little bit. Now, oh, just God, to no. be fair, just to be fair, okay, I turned 53 this year. I graduated high school in 1987. So I think I 
I, I, I'm sure I've got a lot of years on you. So I don't want you to feel bad when I ask you what year you graduated high school. So I can just get a general sense of um, what the tech was like. This is for the tech, okay, Tracy's. To get a sense is this of what, what we're the saying ourselves? Yeah, that's All what right. I say. Right. <laughs> um, so I graduated. All right, so I graduated 11 years after you. No. 11 years after me. Uh, so I graduated in 87. What'd you say, 87? 87, you're 98. Yeah, there we go. The maths. Okay. I ran out of coffee, sorry. <laughs> That's okay. 1998 is your high school graduate. Okay. That's cool. That's cool. Okay. Now that I have that, I'm going to ask you my, my favorite first question. I want you to think back. I don't want you to think too hard. Just the first memory that pops into your head of you working on a computer, that, that, that first moment where your eyes just, the light bulbs went on and you were like, this is so cool. Just first memory that pops in your head. The year you graduated, my I'm in Mississippi, not Alabama, for people that are listening. So when I say this, don't take it the Alabamian way. My cousin slash person that was raising me that I call my brother. There we go. Call my brother. Um, they had a Commodore. And every time I went to jump on them on Saturday mornings to wake them up like a little sister should, I would also sneak in and start just. And you know what it was? It wasn't even the computer itself at first. It was the clickies. It's the reason why I like mechanical keyboards now. That Commodore had the best thock <laughs> that you could ever want. Did it, do you think that was because you felt like you were like doing something serious yes. or real? Yes. Like it was like you were an adult as this kid? Go, bah, 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 bah. Yes, that for someone that had an IBM Selectric in their house. Yes, that 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 sound meant you were doing something. Um, and they were pretty okay with me, like jumping on there and playing around, but I didn't do like, I didn't learn anything about programming until like college. And, and after that, we had a Tandy at the house, uh, when we were able to save up enough to get a computer and I, we went to Radio Shack and got me a Tandy. Oh, I miss Radio Shack, right? I miss Radio, I, I miss Radio Shack. Yeah. For all the things now it's, everything's Amazon, but that's a whole nother conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, they had it. And then, of course, Oregon Trail and, and elementary school. Uh, I went to a school that was actually South Park before South Park became a thing on TV. Wait, wait, where's South Park then? In, in Mississippi. <laughs> are you, are you, now, look, this is how bad I am, because I've always felt like that my kids, when they were younger, watched that cartoon. And I would, one of them, I didn't like them watching it, but at the same time, I'd have to hold back laughing because I didn't want to laugh in front of them either, most of the time. But I didn't know if that was a real, real. So this, of course, the show is not based off of that school, but like there is a real South Park in Mississippi, and that's where I went to. I left, I left Catholic school, <laughs> um, and then went to public school at a school called South Park, and that's where I we had our advanced like learning program. So it was like gates for us. I don't know what they call it at other schools. And so that's where I got to do a lot of the other computer. I see I'm going to tie it together. Good rambling. Um, that's where I got to do like the Oregon Trail and get to play on computers and go see stuff like that that I wasn't normally exposed to here. Because infrastructure wise, of course, we're still behind in a lot of ways. So. All right. But that. OK. But you're saying the, the school you went to South Park that was in Mississippi, that was your elementary school, just like in the show. That's the elementary. School. That was my elementary school. Yeah, that was okay. third through sixth grade for me. Did you ever break that machine? And like, did ever like, would you ever panic? Like, you jumped on the machine and you, at that time, break it at all and worried no, about anything? 
because in my household, it was if you break it, you buy it, or you break it, you fix it. And if you've ever heard me say this anywhere else, and you might not have, the reason I, I got interested in that kind of stuff anyway is I grew up in a set with a 72 Datsun as a truck. And I used to go and take stuff apart when my dad wasn't around and he caught me one day. <laughs> and so that part of my brain plus the puzzle brain is kind of how I found my way to like computers and that kind of stuff. Because there's more than one way to do a thing. And they encourage like jury rigging everything in, in tech. So it kind of works. Tracy, I had a dot. My first car was a Datsun, like a Datsun GX. Right? I can't remember. Little red car, man. I, I drove that thing into the ground when my dad bought it. I mean, it was it was pretty old at the time he bought it, but I didn't care, right? Like, I didn't care. I was like, this was my car, like you know, stick shift, whole night, like the dot. Yes, yes, that's how I learned how to drive. I was eight years old, learning how to drive on a rust bucket seventy-two Datsun little raggedy blue truck. It was great. They didn't go fast, but they went. I almost, I was driving that car one time in West. I don't know how crazy. When you're a kid, you're so stupid. Teenager, I wanted to go when my girlfriend at the time wanted to meet some friends in West Virginia, I had this little Datsun. Okay. Long story short, on the way back, we had to go up a hill and the Datsun almost didn't make it up. I was in at some point, at one point I was literally in first gear getting this car up this hill. I thought, I thought I was stuck. Like I was not going to get over it. That's, that's how much power this Datsun had. <laughs> That's how I learned how how to get off of hills was in a after Dotson, a Nissan. I got stuck on the hill. My mom said, yeah, you tried to get around having to drive up hills. You got stuck on the steepest hill in the city. You're either going to hit the car behind you or you're going to start driving. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's the only wild. one way to go. And that's forward. Yeah. <laughs> when you start high school, okay, back in, let's see, let's do the math again, around 1994, let's say, right? You're, at that time, you're like 14, 15. What, what are your interests kind of going into high school? What is, what is Tracy kind of doing and interested in? Tracy was in marching band, ninth and 10th grade. Um, so I played um, trombone. I was second band trombone during marching season. I was first uh, band trombone during like comp competition season and i would okay also time play, out like, time out time out stuff. yeah time out time out time out i'm i'm thinking you're gonna say french horn i'm thinking you're gonna say clarinet yeah Why i was the not trombone? a woodwind it Why the well, trombone my at that time my mouth did not like woodwinds and i hated reeds uh you didn't like also, going... <sighs> yeah did you just uh, my dad spit. was a sax player so he's like blowing down you end up doing that. You end up with your teeth not properly aligned. You end up with a lot of nicks because you don't want to replace your reed. Trombones, however, during football season can collect water. And all the woodwinds who don't have to play during the foot during the raining season stand in front of the trombones and all of the other build instruments. And what do we do? We collect the water. And when it's time to play, we blow the water out on everybody in front of us. It was great. Trombones were great. Oh, my God. I didn't even think about it. I always remember seeing the valve on those instruments but but i didn't you know that's that, oh man Jay, I, now i got all these <laughs> oh my <great>. god <laughs> <laughs> so i was marching man going in yeah <laughs> it's it they but, didn't like but, us but okay but okay you could have been a trumpet i always wanted to play the, tr the the trumpet right the one with the three valves on the top i always thought that would be a cool instrument to learn 
so the mouthpiece on that one was smaller and I just I guess I just didn't like it I could have done that baritone tuba drums or trombone I picked trombone and then during like basketball season when they needed a pep band I'd switch like baritone and, and like to write the music for for the pep band a lot can you still play do you still play do you have a trombone at home do you like still I found still my little trombone and I just haven't I haven't played that I haven't touched a piano since 99 uh and i stopped singing around the same like all the musical stuff went out the window by the time i got to my my sophomore year at college and then but we're not gonna talk about college just yet but you're not we're not yeah high school yeah so high school so high school uh i stopped playing band and i switched to choir and i was in like six choirs and did like a lot of competitions and travel when you became a junior like so you did two years of band i did two years of band and then I ended up switching to like a smaller choir in my sophomore year. And then I completely quit band because I messed up my knee and like, um, just went full magical chamber choir, sextet, women's choir, main choir, theater, all that kind of stuff. Uh, You couldn't do the marching anymore, I guess, with the knee problem. So I didn't, I didn't want to do the, I didn't, we were a military style band. It, I, it was not enjoyable. See, I, I have some friends, kids who loved the marching. It's They, they loved it more than, uh, I think, playing. It was fun, but yeah, no, I, I was more suited for choir. So are you still singing at least? If I if I, if I I see you at an event and we can go karaoke, like, you, 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 no, she's shaking I was, her head. I never, no. I never liked singing publicly. Uh, you'll catch me humming. But you're in choir. It's all public singing. I don't understand. It, it was public singing with others, and it was harmonizing with others. But I rarely, all of that confidence for singing went out the window as soon as that, once I walked across the stage. That- all right, so we're, we're going to have to do some karaoke then. That's it. Because <laughs> I can't sing. There's a certain range, like the Frank Sinatra sort of Billy, well, Billy Joel's really hard, but the Frank Sinatra range, I can kind of stay in that. And like people won't walk out of the room but can't go really beyond beyond that whatever that range is of of vocals <laughs> i sing all day my kids growing up thought they lived in a musical and now my two step kids they think they live in a musical because i just i'll even talk to them and i'll just sing it and i loved musicals growing up so yeah when i i quit theater cuz my mom wouldn't let me uh do south pacific cuz i got to see and so I quit theater. I was going to be the little old lady. In South Pacific. That's the one, the musical that says, I'm going to wash that man right, right out, of, right my out of my hair. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I was going I to think... be the little old lady singing Bali High. And yeah, she just knocked that out the window. No more theater dreams. Looking back at it today, right? Because when you're a kid and your parents are, are, are giving you that tough love, right? You just don't understand it. And, you're, and, and it's just emotional and... But looking back at it today, do you, what do you think about your mom's decision on not allowing you to be in that production? I think that's one of those things where it wouldn't, it would have been, hey, let me let her do this one, but she can't like do the next one or something like that. Or like I had already done tryouts and everything. And that's the part I think that, that like got me was like, I had done tryouts. I was a shoe in for the part. We like, they were ready. It was just, it was one of those, like, it was just a formal interview just for like paper. Uh, But like, I wish she'd let me just do it so I could have at least known because most people thought I was going to try, once I graduated, I was going to become a theater person. 
Like that was around the time bringing the noise, bringing the funk was happening. But you did no theater again after that? This was like your first? That was my, that was, I was usually a dresser or like somebody that was like in the background or doing stuff like that. And I did a lot of stuff with like the school. We had like a band and I played keyboard for that particular band also that was based off of the choir students. And after that, like after she said no, and that would have been my starring role. Nope. Didn't do anything. I still love musicals. King and I. It's one of those things, see, and so it's one of those things that I'm seeing a lot now, those millennials, I think, depending on who, where I, people look at my age, I'm either an elder millennial or I'm like f- firmly Generation X, but it's one of those things where people are like, looking back, that was like trauma or like looking back, that was indicative of this, that, and the other. Like I'd been, I started reading when I was two, I started playing piano when I was five they raised me to be a socialite. And so me having friends that were in AP classes and those kind of things was like, she's going to do that. And it, I'm, I'm an only child. And so I'm an only child of parents that, Oh, happy birthday, dad. My dad turned 76 today. Happy birthday. Dad. Nice smile. Sorry. Nice. Smile, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but they, they were older. Um, most people, I can say this probably because most people know it. Cause I'm not, I don't hide it. I'm adopted. And neither of them have a four-year degree. And so it's one of those generational type, oh, you're going to school. There's no, you have to do this and you have to do that. And as their first child and their only child, I can understand why they did some of it. And I've told them like in the past few years, hey, like I appreciate why you raised me the way that you did, but you you prepared me to be a socialite, didn't really prepare me for for life in a lot of ways. And so, Yeah. We're we're okay about it now, but I was mad. I was I was I I was gonna be that little great. They didn't even have to put much makeup on me. They would have just had to grade my hair. I'm like the I was the the perfect person for ballet high. <laughs> so let me let me say this because I now have two stepkids. I got married again, and I met a beautiful woman, and she has two younger kids. They're 11 and 15, and I have five kids with my first wife. So I got seven, basically managing seven kids. But I, I'll tell you this, it's, I, I think in many ways, it's easier, it's almost impossible to raise kids that are not, that don't have some part of your DNA. Like, I could look at my first, my five kids, and I know what parts of their personality are mine, which parts are their mom's, and I know what buttons to press and not press. But when it comes to the stepkids, I've, I've had to spend at least a few years kind of learning where the buttons are. Uh, and I only have that level of knowledge and maturity because I've already gone, because of my age and, and um, gone through being a parent, right? So I, it's, it's really hard to raise kids that, are, that don't have your DNA. It's just finding that button. I was just going to agree. It is. And I was young when I was adopted. Like I wasn't in the system very, very long. And so I'd been raised around in my, the majority of my life you wouldn't know I wasn't related to him to actually look at me height wise and everything else like mannerisms. I even look exactly like my aunt. That's a funny inside joke for when we go places. <laughs> but um, like I grew around a lot of older people, um, big families, which was the other thing is everybody that I'm related to has a sibling. I'm the only one on both sides of my family that doesn't. And that was the other thing. They don't they didn't understand Tracy that didn't want a TV in her room and read like 13 books a week and was very introverted that they forced to be an introvert. 
And so a lot of times if people see me at conferences now, I'm like, you have to know how I was raised and understand why I'm disappearing tomorrow. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it is hard if you've never had a kid, you're in a staunchly religious state, well, hell, uh, city, um, and you're going by the advice of other people because you've never had that thing yourself. You just know you want the best for them and you don't want them to go through the stuff that you went through. Even if you're working class, you know, it's not like we came from anything. And there's no book. There's no manual, there's right? There's no like, book. Your kids think you know what you're doing. Even today, I have zero clue. And and some decisions worked out and other decisions I wish I could take back. But but you have no clue. With, you have no clue. Nope. And if I ever have a kid, adopt it otherwise, because it's going to happen some kind of way. Like, I, I want to be that person that's open because I also like it, it also fostered one of those environments where I knew there were certain things I could and could not say to them or do. And because my town is only 60,000 people strong, it's a very small town. You do something everyone knows. And so like that doesn't foster an open environment for like communication either. Um, again, that's one of those things that's gotten better when I got older and got out of the house. But like. Yeah, and it shapes your life as an adult. I grew up in a very large Italian family that lived in a town on Long Island called Elmont. So the thing was, every time I made a mistake, it was all of Elmont is going to know what I just did. And there were times where I made decisions because I didn't want Elmont to know. I still have that in my head. Yep. And I'm back in that town now. And people were like, I didn't know you were back. I thought you were in Texas. Now I need you to know I've been back from Texas since 2018. We should tell you everything you need to know about how I live my life in this town because it's, you know, it's small town. I hear it. All right. I want to get to that too, but I, I want to get back to the, the question that this is going to be a long interview, everybody, because there's too much. I'm so sorry, people. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm excited here. But I, I, I'm really interested in trying to just kind of understand why, and I'm going to use this word quit. I feel like you quit theater when you couldn't be in that production instead of just get your grades back up and, and be in the next one. Am I, am I being too harsh here? At that point, I think I was, I was a junior. And so my senior year would have been just, I just focused mostly on choir and just didn't do the theater stuff anymore. So I didn't quit choir and I went through, I had a hell of a senior year, but like choir was the one thing that like solidified. Okay. I definitely want to do choir. And funnily enough, whenever we make it to college, you'll find out I didn't end up majoring in music like I initially started out doing because that's my next question right now you're 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 about to graduate high school but what are you thinking about other than maybe I want to get out on my own right at this point you must really be excited about the opportunity of I didn't want to go oh really and there is no you're not going <laughs> like, I don't know if I can put that into words. There, you, there's no, you're not going to college. Uh, <laughs> because, of course, both both of them didn't, like I said, they didn't have four-year degrees. My mom had a, a secretarial degree and my dad went to three years of school and decided he didn't want to graduate. So why? Okay, 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 okay. Was it because of the pressure that you had to go that you didn't want it? want to go? Do you think it was that sort of psychology? That was part of it. But again, okay, so that was part of it. And then when I did decide, okay, well, I can go, I can get like a, a choral scholarship to like our local community college, it'll be cheaper anyway, and I can drive. 
Then someone in, in the family that I honestly don't even like, and they knew it, uh, goes, well, you need, no, you need to go, just don't start at community colleges. Your first couple of years of school or where you meet, you know, your forever friends, blah, 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 blah. You should take this the, the thing down at Southern Miss, which is where I'm thinking the, the son-in-law or the future son-in-law or you know, daughter's boyfriend <laughs> is at school. Uh, but, uh, but, but like, and instead of me doing the community college thing, because of course everybody was local, I didn't care about that part. I just wanted to get my foundation and stuff out. I went to USM first. Now I go to a school that is a party school for all intents and purposes. No idea what to expect. The, the same people that told me I should go, didn't tell me what to expect my freshman year, didn't tell me what to do, what not to do. And so a lot of the stuff that I learned was because I put myself in some not great situations on purpose during college because I needed to learn those certain life skills that I just didn't have. My mom right now is it, it like literally, mom, I'm telling people your age, I'm sorry. So she turned 73 last month and it's been in her last decade where she's kind of going, oh, okay, the world's not exactly what I thought it is. Like, yeah, I knew we're raised on, we're raised on the teats of passive aggressiveness here in Mississippi. But like, I don't think she understood to what extent people are or what they can be. And our communication helped because she started listening to some of the experiences that I told her that I had had that she didn't know about or why I don't talk to people or why certain people I knew things about that I just never said. Um, and so school, yeah, went there on a music degree. Uh, I had a choral scholarship and dropped it the second year. It just... Okay, so you you the the initial idea was to get a degree in music, like performance art. I wanted to I wanted to do art? performance. I I wanted to do jazz, which I was horrible at, but I, the the longing was there. Like jazz, like in that that scat, scooby doo scat, scat, yeah, like that kind of stuff. Or some yeah, that or even just performance. And they didn't have the program I wanted, and I knew I didn't want to teach it. And so I just the I didn't I had no use for it anymore. Uh, said, oh, I'll jump to sociology. What I didn't find out in high school is that one, I have test anxiety uh, or had test anxiety. Two, I figured out why I couldn't write papers because I'm an outline after instead of an outline first. But if I my brain doesn't like something, it won't complete it. And so I flunked out of sociology. They still don't know that. Because I, I had five sociology classes then turned into a paper for not one of them got mostly done and just couldn't, my brain wouldn't let me submit them. I was a, I was a kid in high school that would leave multiple choice answers undone because I didn't know the, the actual answer. I didn't want to guess and get it wrong. And so they spread it around school and my teacher started giving me my, my test back to force me to finish my test in high school. That carried over to college. Yeah, it was bad. The te there was a teacher in, in when I got to the school of business that realized what was happening and put me outside in the hallway to take my test and my scores went up. And she was like, okay, so that's what it is. So she would, every time we had a test, I'd take it with her or take it out in the hallway with some headphones on. And I was fine. I've and never heard of that. Recognize that. Yeah, it was I've never weird. heard of, I've heard of like anxiety. When I get anxiety, I, I immediately have learned I have to just stop whatever that is because I'm not going to do a good job anyway. And that's what it was. That was the crux of it. Like, my brain was like, oh, you don't know this answer. Like, I know this is multiple choice, but you don't know this answer, Tracy. So don't, yeah, no, we're not going to mark that one. And I just keep going. You know, I had a teacher early on that said he walked around the room one day and he went, 
all to every kid, A, B, C, D, A, B, C, D. And, and mine was C. And I'm like, okay, great. I'm C. What he goes? He goes, anytime you don't know an answer, that's the bubble. Just fill in C. And that allowed me to like finish tests and stuff on time instead of like stress out. It was just C. Whether it was right or wrong, it didn't matter. And a lot of times, and he said 20, 30% of the time, you're going to be right anyway. And he, he was absolutely right. I was in this academic decathlon one time for kids that had A's, B's, and C's. I was a C student. And I remember being on stage and the question coming up, having no idea and just saying C and being right. I wish my teacher had done that to me. Instead, they told my mom I wasn't, I started skipping class. It was kind of, yeah, it was rough. No, because you didn't have, you didn't, you didn't know what to do. So that seemed like the best option because it, you were able to avoid the situation. And, and, and even though later on it was going to be stress, at least you had some time where it wasn't stressful. Like, I get it. Like the, the whole thing, I, I completely understand because you didn't have, you didn't have the knowledge of what was going on. You didn't have people around you that until they finally figured it out, right? And then look at what happened. Yeah, and then I was like, oh, oh, okay, I can do this. And I started, I had perfect notes. I was that per also that person that carried over to college. Yeah, you're right, this is gonna be long. I'm sorry, I told you I rambled. I tried to warn you. It's all uh, good, it's all good. My notes, if I was one of those people, and I've met other people like this, that if I messed up in my notes, I couldn't finish those notes, I'd rewrite them. So my notes were always perfect, but what I ended up doing was reading my notes out to myself. So that way when I was driving or if I was asleep, I was, I would always hear my notes being read back to me. And that was how I learned. Rewriting my notes actually started helping me learning because there was repetition at play. Uh, so yeah, I, all these coping mechanisms and stuff that I have now, like 20, oh God, has it been that long? Like 20 years later, um, like it's, it's stuff that I, I started learning about myself without my family's influence while I was in school, while I was in Yeah, it's college, a process. Yeah. yeah. And, and again, and to be fair, I want to go back to my other thing is that your biological parents probably had a lot of the same traits and they weren't there to, because I'll say it to my board, hey, hey <laughs> I know what you're doing because I got the same thoughts in my head. Okay. And, and this is how you're going to get out of it when you're ready to, uh, to listen to me, right? Like you didn't have that. So, you had to learn all this stuff completely on your own. Let me tell you, being adopted and being on Ancestry.com is one of the most stressful things you can ever have in your life. I have no idea who my biological mother is. I'm so close to my biological father, I can see that I think he's still living. Like I met a first cousin and I can't find the bugger and it's killing me. I'm like, I just need to see you so I know what my medical chart should look like. I, does the 23 and me help with any of that? Yeah, so apparently, uh, I think it usually is patrilineal, mostly. Like, they could get more, or it used to be you used to get more patrilineal results. Um, but, like, that's the next on my list is 23andMe. And I'm going to do it for my parents also, do both of it just so I can finish. I'm the adopted child, but I'm the only one in the child that actually cares about mapping out the family history on both sides. Uh, no, that's nice. Yeah, so I'm going to do that for them, too. My mom had a family tree that went back a couple hundred years and it got lost. I don't know where it is. Like when I was a kid and everybody was still alive, my family, like my great grandmother lived to a hundred. Everybody lives into their nineties. We had a family tree that went way back, like through Italy, like almost like 18th century almost. And it's, and it got lost, got lost. I have no Aww. idea where it is. I, know, I was sad, the one, right? I would. I was the one scribbling with my grandmother. So I found all, I have all of her papers that she left. So I can go back about 
two or three great grandparents, which is more than we we typically had. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I've got two sets of of seven great aunts and uncles on both sides. It's weird. Both of my grandmothers were one of yeah. Both of my grandmothers were one of two girls and five boys, and I have an uncle George on both sides, an uncle Fred on both sides. Uh, and I actually have a set of double cousins in there somewhere also, but that's off subject. Anyway, yeah, college. <laughs> you go two years. It's not really working out. You decide I'm done with this. So you do what? You go back home. And, like, what, what's the deal? Uh, I left for a semester. Then I uh, didn't have a home for about another six months. My parents still don't know about that. Man, I hope they don't listen to this. Uh, and then I went. I finally had the GPA enough to switch to the College of Business. Um, and I was gonna. My plan was to double in marketing and MIS. Why? Why suddenly business? I didn't want to do, someone wanted me to do, um, get on the like radio, television, film or journalism side because of my voice um, and wanted me to start taking elocution classes. Um, and then I didn't want to do it. And so I, I, I ended up in marketing because I took the wrong class thinking it was something else. <laughs> Things happen for a reason, Tracy. Things happen for a reason. <laughs> um, and but I have things happen for a reason, right? Um, and so I knew that I liked the idea of management. It's one of those safe majors, you know what I mean? Um, or at the time, it was a safe major, and I knew I could still take computer-ish classes. So like they were still, oh god, they were still offering COBOL and Fortran. Um, and so I decided to take VB.net and C++ under computer science class instead. Now, this is the first time you're even thinking about computers here because you've, you've had a more of a musical sort of interest, theater musical life. You're, you're, you're now switching into this sort of business major because I imagine you think, well, a business major, there will be more job opportunities. But where does the computer science, does that stem from having to do like information systems with the business degree? It was because we had to have, so their offerings literally were only COBOL and Fortran. Well, you know, if you knew COBOL today, you'd be making $400 an hour. Apparently. They even, I'm, <laughs> I'm, in, I'm getting my master's degree right now. And I looked at it and I was like, you know, I keep skipping this guy's class, but I actually like the guy and I could probably have some extra money if I take the class. So don't think that that's not on my... uh it's it's in there. I tell everybody all the time. I go, if your only goal is to make money, then you're in the wrong classroom. <laughs> go get a cobalt class. <laughs> Some my summer class for next summer, actually. <laughs> um, but no, so I knew that they were antiquated even then to like a certain point. They it wouldn't have had anything to do with what I wanted to do, and so that's where the VB.net and the C classes came from. Um, and that was my first introduction into like programming, programming, but they didn't really encourage women or females back then to do those things. Even in sociology, it was, you know, you're only going to go this far, blah, 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 blah. They would say that to you in the classroom? It, it, in so many words, it was just like, uh, yeah. The undertone of everything was. Yeah. So in the computer science classes, it was like, oh, she's just in here. She's not going to take that serious. In the sociology class, it was, oh, you're, you're, he was from Philly. 
and it was your way to Dr. Glamzer. Haha. It was your way too sentimental. You uh, families here in Mississippi or families in this area tend to be way too sentimental, and you worry so much about taking care of your family that you don't do the things that you could do to take the, the family further. Now, I didn't agree with the way he said it, but a few years after, I kind of got the gist of what he was saying. Because if you come to my town, the majority of the people here that had the 4.3s when we graduated high school are still in this town, or they're working at the casino, or they're working at a factory, or they're, you know what I'm saying? And I was one of those ones. I was like, man, I got to get the hell up out of here um, and left. And it wasn't until after college. We're not at after college yet. Never mind. So, yes, business. Business is how I got introduced into like the progr- programming and stuff. And then I would take Saturday classes just to learn like the Microsoft Office suite or that kind of thing. And people at home knew me from doing like hardware repairs. So like computer repairs or troubleshooting, that kind of thing. So I'd already been doing it, just not in like an official capacity. It was one of those, hey, can you ask Tracy to come look at this kind of thing? Um, And so that's where it kind of all converged was when I got to information systems. So so just to be fair in your other point, I I knew people from New York. from Long Island, who got 4.0s in university and still stayed close to home in jobs that they shouldn't have been in, mainly because they just had, I'm going to say, a fear of leaving. Of leaving, yep. Of any, More than anything else, where they, they could have had these amazing careers if they had just left. And I'm going to call it fear. I, I don't know what else to call it. That's what I call I had to write. I wrote a pay, uh a badly written paper, but it was a paper. And that was part of it was a fear of leaving. Um, and then it came down to like infrastructure, some of the stuff that we have. People don't go any further than Texas here if they don't have to. That's usually where their family is, a six-hour drive or less. Like that's nothing, at least over here. <laughs> it's nothing to drive six hours. Um, not to say that we don't have the Army Corps of Engineers, Engineer Research Development Center, HPC, DOD. We have that stuff here. And if you're lucky enough to get into it in high school, you're pretty much in for life. Like they had a, a student program. So we do have some of that, but a lot of those people that I'm saying those things about didn't do that. They just took run of the mill, like I said, factory, casino. And if you were lucky, you got with the government gig. Um, and that was it. I've said this in other podcasts before, but it kind of is coming up again here. And I, you know, we all have this, level that we can achieve, right? Like no, nobody's equal. There, there are 50% of the population that's smarter than me and I'm smarter than the other 50%, right? But just an example, if I decided to quit tech and, and um, be a garbage man tomorrow, I could do that. But I'm taking a job away from somebody who can't do what I can do. And so there's this, to me, this social inequality when you're working a job that somebody else now can't have where it would for whatever reason that's that's what they're capable of doing and you're capable of doing more and you're taking that job away from somebody who can't take the other job that you can like to me that's a social crime to me right like i feel responsible to take the jobs that i can take to open up these other jobs that maybe somebody else can't have there's a there's a midpoint in there though where you're you can't do either because those same people that have jobs available think that one, you're going to run the minute you have a better opportunity. Two, you're you're too you're overqualified, so they won't even hire you for that job. But for the stuff that you're able to do, 
they don't think that you're qualified enough and you still don't get hired. So at that point, do you take unemployment or do you take the job that you can get? Which even if it's taking it from somebody else, it doesn't mean you're not able to do it. Because I was that that was me about four years ago. Yeah, well, I, I would argue that if they're not hiring you for that job that you should be at, then you have no choice but to take the job. You take the best job you can that someone's willing to hire you for. That to me is still being socially responsible, right? Until you can get yourself to say, hey, look, uh, because resumes are a nightmare to kind of develop when you're first starting out. They're just, it's a nightmare situation for everybody. Okay. Let's get back here. So do you eventually graduate from university with your, math, with your business? So you get that business degree in with marketing some of that only. computer science and mar a yeah. marketing degree. So you ended up yeah, with I marketing. Got it. I ended up with marketing because it was quick to graduate. So what year did you graduate then? Uh, I'm going to let you guess. Well, I'm going to assume that you didn't do your traditional four years, which would have no. put you at, at 02. So I'm going to just take a guess and say 04 Ooh, because you 05. just need a little bit more time. Oh, five. So I, yeah, I was close. I was fine. You were close. Yeah, I left and came back. I, I dropped a part-time because I was working uh, a good portion of while I was in school anyway. And so I just dropped a part-time until I figured out what I wanted to do. And then they were like, this teacher's teaching the sequel class. And I went, sequel? <laughs> yeah, not going to graduate with MIS degree. Ended up with marketing. <laughs> out the okay, but even though it took you seven years, I mean, there's a lot of maturity and growing up you did over the did. seven years. Yeah. There was, you were, you were really on your own to kind of figure it out. Um, and there were people helping you along the way. But I, I, I can appreciate that it took, it took you. But here's the thing, and I tell people all the time, I have to tell my kids all the time, do not start something unless you're going to commit yourself to finishing it. Like I, it drives me crazy when somebody now my, my uh, 15 year old stepdaughter, I tell her this all the time. She's reading three books at any given time, but I'm always telling her, but you're not finishing them. Like what's the sense? This is a bad, bad situation. Start it, finish. I don't care if you're doing three books, but finish those three books. She has this thing of starting. Remember when I said I didn't want to go? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah that feeling was there that entire seven years <laughs> yeah and so, but you finished it right I even did. when i look at a resume what i want to see is you started something you finished it i don't care how long i finished it and then uh hurricane katrina happened oh i remember katrina because i was down here in miami that was uh oh that was a nasty storm uh had an internship a very short-lived internship uh i was still in between hattiesburg and the jackson area and then katrina hit and everything went downhill i started working at the outlet store at a gap and wanted to curse out the assistant manager one day because he didn't like me i got somebody to take over my shift and i started driving without telling anybody uh and my gas light came on when i hit waco texas you just decided I'm going to Texas. Didn't tell my just, mom. Oh, my mother didn't speak. Did you pack a bag? A you didn't I pack a bag? You just. I threw a couple of things in a bag. And I, like once I hit Waco, my friend, uh, my best friend at the time went, well, your mom's going to hate me, but you're about an hour and a half away since you decided to hit a left instead of a right. So come on down to Austin. And that's where phase one of Austin, 2005, 2005, 2006. Yeah. Did you just feel like you needed this? sort of complete change in your life because 
Oh, I hated Mississippi. I was the weird person the entire time I was growing up here. I, I'm from Mississippi. I am Mississippi homegrown. I'm Mississippi made. I don't even sound like I'm from Mississippi unless you caught me talking to like my parents for a, an amount of time. Can you give me that? Because I'm not sure I know what a Mississippi accent is. I can't do it on purpose. Get me. <laughs> I tell you what, by the time we get through at our current rate, it'll probably it'll probably come out uh okay more than once it i'll sound exceptionally southern um, like way is the mississippi southern. accent as southern as like like a texas sort of oh no i guess it's texas a different no it's 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 a different accent than texas is nothing similar like mine has some little pieces of of louisiana built into it but it's not but we're not also we're not georgia southern like it's a weird yeah, and you're not Alabama Southern because I have. A, I'm not I, I go Alabama to Huntsville, Southern. so but even though Huntsville is not really Alabama, but okay, I'm gonna listen for it. I'm gonna listen for it. <laughs> I don't. But I no. don't. I don't know many people from Mississippi, so I don't. So you had a place to stay at least. You knew where you were going. You just had to get there. Did you not fill up the tank because you forgot, or you didn't have? I mean, you had some money at the time, right? Oh no 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 no. That was 437.7 miles. That was literally a full tank until I, that was a six, at that point it was seven hours in, six hours in. That was one tank. But you didn't fill up? Like, I want to know why you didn't stop at a gas station. I, I'm that person that likes traveling by themselves to like just drive for six hours anyway, because I can time my bathroom breaks and know what to drink so I don't have to stop on the side of the road or stop yeah, at a I'm gas like station. Yeah, I'm like that too. I hate stopping on a long trip. But I honestly just started driving. I don't think I had a, I didn't have a destination and it, and it was oh. one of those. Yeah. And it was one of those like, oh, I'm just driving. Okay. Well, passed by Dallas. Apparently I, oh, I'm on 35. How the hell did I get here? And looked down at the light and I was like, oh, I might need to get gas. You were zoned out. I was zoned out. And I stopped at that Starbucks that I stopped at when I took a picture. I still have that picture somewhere of me taking a picture of the gas light on with how many miles was on it. And I, I was at a Starbucks and I stop at that Starbucks every time I go to Austin now. In Waco, Texas, yep. You end up in Austin and you have a friend there and they just welcome you with, with what conditions? Just stay as long as you need, stay as long as you like. You got a week. Stay as long as I need. She knew, like she, she, she knows me well enough to like know if I did something like that, I needed a change. And I helped out where I could, found a job, moved into an apartment, um, lost a job, <laughs> ended up back in Mississippi. I've been in Austin in three phases. Wait, 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 wait. Time out, time out, time out, time out, time out, time out. You got to Austin, you found a job. What Was it a, like a retail job or was it something with your degree? Was it a marketing no, company? Oh, no, I never worked in my degree. I hate sales. That was the other reason <laughs> I said it was a wasted degree. I hate it. <laughs> Uh, I, my face doesn't lie. And if I don't believe in your product, you're going to know very, okay. very soon. Yeah. How is it possible you end up back in Mississippi? And how long was that? Was that six months? Was it a year? Was it two years? So let's see. I think I was in Austin two years, came back 2007. Someone needed a teacher and I ended up being a long-term sub that got a retroactive degree. So I taught high school math for a year what grade oh high school high school ninth like ninth tenth ninth like this was back 
and this was back in like 2008 or something then yeah 2007 well, uh well, the kids no... were a little bit better and <laughs> not the ones coming from preschool no sir oh, 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 oh. You, you should you should see the kid you should see the kids today tracy <laughs> i have the ones coming from middle school were bad then the ones that they have now Mm -mm. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, I, I, my wife stopped teaching middle school. I, I told her, like, we're done. I can't do it anymore. Like, life's too precious to be rough, rough. They, they are rough. Whew. They are rough. So, did you have that job before you, 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 you decided, hey, I'm going to go back to Austin, or you just said I'm going back again? And you found it when you were there. I said I was going back again. I got a temp, some a temp agency contacted me while I was in Dallas with my cousin slash brother. Uh, and I went and interviewed and because I didn't want to put a burden on him, I just took it. But a call center is the reason why I don't like phone calls now. No, that's not an easy job. You're the, the, the look, I, I can't stand even today. My, when my mom, who's, I don't know even how old she is, 75, 76. The tech support, I can't take it, dude. I, I cannot take it. Like you, I start getting high levels of anxiety. It got to a point on the Microsoft things when my kids were smaller that they were putting a virus on it. I went and bought all Chromebooks. Everybody in my life has a Chromebook. <laughs> and all my tech support went away. All of it went away from my uncle to the kids. And then now the kids have the MacBooks and they don't really, they don't have problems. But hell. I'm going to do Windows tech support ever again in my life. You get a Chromebook if you call me. I was on, it was something called BPOS-D, which was the precursor to Office 365. And so it was more company, like company tech support, uh, which is worse in yeah, some ways because they're entitled. Yeah. yeah. Uh, did that. Lost my job again. <laughs> Couldn't find anything. Ended up back in Mississippi. Uh, and then... The last time I went was 2014. I took a position. Oh, no. In between that is when I hit the sysadmin and the networking stuff. So I, at that point, I was on a government contract. Okay. But talk, talk to me about that because you're not, you don't have a resume for this tomb. I guess the tech support maybe, but talk to me about that job. How did you get that job in Mississippi? Was that in Mississippi? That was down the street. Yeah. So it was because I had the tech support stuff, I was able to get what, I guess would technically be tech support, not tech support. It was more networking tech support on a, on a government contract. Um, and so we dealt with like all of the, the networking and stuff for all of the 2,600 locations. T tell me, tell me, tell me something. How did you find that job? And I'm kind of curious where your head was when you decided you were going to interview for it. I was still in Austin and I was, um, because of various people I had met at that point in Austin, um, I was looking on like government sites and Bowhead popped up as a, a contract uh, and contracting agency and they had a position and I, she called me while I was still in Austin. It was in the middle of a blackout. I remember it. Uh, <laughs> and she called, she called, we had rolling blackouts that year, but she called and that's how I interviewed. So I had, that's one time I actually had the position and started my background check and all that stuff for clearances before I came back to Mississippi. How many jobs did you apply to at that time? Like, okay, so you're like, okay, I'm gonna do government. There's a bunch of, I guess there's a job board. You're seeing things that you think you might wanna do. Did you apply to a bunch of jobs at that point or this was like? No, cause I was, I, I was applying between that and Austin 
stuff that I could find. And it was more at that point, I know at least if I, I'll have somewhere to stay if I go back to Mississippi, at least temporarily. So they offered and it felt more stable. And so that's how I ended up going back because I couldn't find anything in Austin at the time. And that's how I got that one. So tell me what that job is again. You were doing technical support for... It was more like networking tech support. So like if, say, your your job site, all of a sudden everything went down. You don't know why. You don't know what's causing it. If the line has interference, if the line is down, whatever. If, if Verizon, for some reason, cut a line without telling anybody, we were the people that ended up finding out when, how, what how to get resources back online that, but there were like, it was over like 2,600 locations. I did that for six. I did that for six months, became their supervisor after six months. Whoa, 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 whoa. Tracy, this is the first time you're getting out in six months. They liked you so much. No, 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 no. That's not how that went. No, no, that's not how that Everybody went. else, everybody left. And I was the only one here. I was a fall guy. <laughs> um, and so, but I knew, Hey, man, that was, let me tell you, he didn't tell me a lot of stuff taking that position. That was also the one, the first time, to give you an idea of what I've dealt with since I've been in this industry, he was taking me around to different meetings to introduce me. And somebody said, oh, your last name is Holmes. Are you related to John Holmes by any chance? That was the very no. first. No. I no. don't think he knew no. that I was going to know who that was. Not That's because so I'd stupid. watched anything, but... And that was a, that was one of the first times I had to deal with that kind of stuff, like just blatantly. Uh, and so, yeah, that position, I dealt with a lot of generals, directors, that kind of stuff. So I actually liked it. Didn't like the environment, though. Um, did, did they was it just title or was it did they give you at least a little bit of money for that? I did get a bump. So I think I was making I was making more than most when I started. And that bumped me from hourly to salary. Uh, um, benefits so that, and everything. Yeah. I mean, I was still getting uh, benefits because I worked full okay, time. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, I worked a four by 10. It was great. Um, and then it bumped me to salary. Salary plus um, I could still get overtime, but it was just base. And then um, what they did was it put me because I had a good rapport with the Unix team and the Windows team. When they had something open up, I applied. I only applied to the Unix team, but he couldn't get the head count. So I started talking to the Windows guy. The day I accepted the Windows sysadmin position, the Unix guy called me the next morning and said, do you want it? And I, when I tell you, I cried. Yeah. But the other timing thing is, is everything, right? Yeah, timing is everything, <laughs> but also the people you know. And so separation of duties is very prevalent in that space. So infrastructure team is infrastructure. Windows is only going to deal with servers. Unix is going to deal with everything else. Everybody knew me. So what they would do is when they were doing something or doing installs, if I had time, they would bring me over to show me what they were doing. So that was my first introduction to RHEL. That was my first introduction to Cent uh, CentOS, well, CentOS, uh, CentOS, that kind of stuff. The infrastructure team would give me extra permissions without anybody knowing about it into like VMware stuff. So that's how I learned all about the, learned about Fusion and vSphere and that kind of thing. So that's really cool. I mean, they yeah. didn't have to do that. that was they nice. didn't. The database team, if they had something happen, if they wanted to troubleshoot, they knew I would want to learn. So if no one was around, they'd be like, come on, let me show you this real quick. So that's how I got my teeth into different little things. I loved being a sysadmin. That was, I'm a break, my brain is a break fix brain. And what that job taught me was what root cause is, 
being thrown to the wolves is not bad all the time, even if you have to spend all night on a critical or incident to learn what's going on, how to search for bugs, what logs look like, the glorious feeling you get for restarting a Citrix server. <laughs> I started my career in that sort of ops side. And I now granted, and I said this in another podcast, I did it in the nineties where when things broke, if you didn't have hardware, it wasn't going to get fixed. But that was me. I'm rack and stack. I grew up in a rack and stack yeah. environment. Yeah. Okay. So I hated it. The stress of something being down and everybody on your back, not, not really having the time to fix it. You had to, it was a data center environment was one thing. Um, so, but there were only two people in my location that could, that were on my team. The other half was in Portland. So you could only, if you had an issue and it was locally, you were going to deal with my team leader, me that like, that was it. So I didn't have a choice. No, but you didn't mind the stress of something being down and you didn't mind that? No. So the stress was one, if the SQL servers had been set up and they'd given us the infrastructure that we'd asked for in the first place, the failover probably wouldn't have failed. I hear you. But you know, I was I was really good about being very up for upfront about stuff. Um, and I, I wasn't uh tell you a, a greater amount of time that it's actually going to take. I'd be like, look, I don't know what's going on. I'm working with this person, this person, this person. I was also known for keeping very good notes about what I was doing. So most people didn't have to wonder. And I didn't get all of that extra stress about like, oh, your entire rack is down. This is what happened. It's not our fault. It's always DNS. Like go talk to knock. It is, is not us. Um, I'm very pressure driven. And that's probably why that did not bother me. I do some of my best work under pressure. I hate to say that. But I'm not hearing the word anxiety come up here where I had a lot, a lot amount of anxiety in those situations. I was in my element. I did it. I was in my element. If you let me break fix that Datsun truck that I used to take stuff apart in, that I had to fix it, it, it scratched a certain part of my brain because I learned by breaking stuff down. Well, if it's broken and I have nothing but logs and bugs to go by, that means I have to go rabbit hole into something else and figure out what's going on. And I get to learn something in the process. You know what's brilliant about you, and I don't have this. I, I actually broke my glasses yesterday, and I was really having a large amount of anxiety because I can't see very well without them, and I couldn't fix them. And the more I tried to fix them, the worse it got to the point where I just gave it to my wife, and I said, Allie, you got to fix these for me. And luckily, she's an engineer, so she fixed them perfectly. <laughs> but I get sometimes this anxiety and fear that I won't be able to fix it. And I've always fixed every problem, but especially if it's mechanical, I panic a little bit. I used to panic until I realized that my dad is the epitome of rig something so it'll work. And that's how I was raised. If this doesn't work this way, let's try something else. And that's the only thing I think that keeps me from being anxious about it. Like if you could see some of the stuff I've got rigged in this house, that now that I'm making a better salary, I don't have to do that anymore. I also buy better quality stuff now too. But like the glasses thing, the glasses thing would have bothered me because I'm absolutely blind without these things. But you would have seen copious amounts of tape and a hairdryer and me trying to sit there and bend the frames back in place, which is what I did with my other pair that I still need to fix. Uh, so yeah, like there is a little bit of anxiety, but I get more anxiety if I know I didn't do as much as I could have done 
to fix the issue. Now, I can be very tenacious sometimes, and I don't always like letting stuff go. Now, that's the part where it starts running over into anxiety. Because I'm just like, why is this not? I don't understand why. It's like my assignment last night, I had a Photoshop assignment. I am very pissed off about that assignment. I'll probably redo it knowing I can't get a better grade just because. But like outside of that, if I know I've done everything that I was supposed to do, communicate, communicated everything that I was supposed to communicate, fine. When I started programming, though, especially with your little nasty go. <laughs> my, my nasty go. <laughs> your nasty go does not like my brain. My brain is a very much a ruby brain. If I want a banana, I want to say put a banana and it puts a banana there. No, here comes go. My dad taught me that at least try it yourself because even if you fail, you can always call somebody up to come. And then, so he would try everything at least himself. And if he couldn't do it, then he'd call a repair person or whatever that, that person was. So I kind of take that attitude, but there's no delete key when you're like putting holes in the wall and I'm not good at patching them. You, you see the stress I'm talking? Like, I don't want to make a mess of the wall and there's no delete key. There isn't, <laughs> but there are a lot of picture frames in my house for a reason. And I have got a, so I've got a whole bucket of mud down there. So I'm, I'm with you on that one. I finally got a proper drywall saw though. And that kind of helped things out. <laughs> The tools are everything. As I started meeting repairmen and they told me about what tools to have, like I started doing better jobs with stuff. But I always went on the, the physical stuff. It always stresses me out at first because there's no delete key. That's why I love programming. There's a delete key. I can just kind of start over clean. And I know that, but code reviews would freak me out because it, it always made me fear that someone was going to know how much I didn't know. And if I haven't built a rapport, especially if I'm fully remote with the people that I'm that are supposed to be reviewing the thing, it's hard for me to ask for help. And then I don't want you to see what I did or didn't do, even though that's the point of the code review. Yeah. We could have a whole podcast on code reviews and the good and the bad. But what I need to do, Tracy, after this is get you access to all my Go training material. So <laughs> I think I think if you see some of the material I have, it's going to... I've seen help. it. I'm just not great with videos. Oh, you've seen the Ultimate Ghost stuff? Somebody, one of these companies I worked with that was just like, hey, try this out before we go buy this for you. Is probably, I was supposed to go to one of your sessions at like GopherCon and I never got a chance to go. But they were, I would have done fine in person. Videos? Yeah. Well, I hate talking in front of a camera myself. But uh, yeah, it, it. I always say to every, you know, Video is good for somebody who's very kind of disciplined and can just sit there for a good amount of time and consume it. Uh, I have to run everything at 2x because I don't have the patience. Yes. Until that. I find what I need and then I'll slow it down. I'm better with reading and blogs because I can skim, find what I need, and then move on. Yep. That's, that's my brain. Okay. So you finally have this job in tech. Uh -huh, you're doing uh -huh. well. You're supervising. I think we're talking about maybe, I don't even know what year it is anymore. 2010, 11. Yeah, we're in the 2011 to 14 area. So right. I so you're there for four years, three years. Yeah. Yeah. Three, three and a half, four, roughly. Yeah. I uh, moved from the supervising position to the sysadmin position. And I stayed in that until 2014. They changed so what happens the in 2014? Come, they changed contracts and the people that were coming in were lowballing everyone. Um, and the 
person I was with, people don't don't move because somebody else wants to move. Let me let me put that in. Just say that now. Uh, person I was with <laughs> also wanted to move. And they were like, well, you've been awesome before, so let's go back to awesome. So I took an uh, onboarding and deployment engineering position with a small uh, managed service provider. And that lasted two years. In Austin or still yeah. in Mississippi? Back in but Austin. I, I, that was I, I, I want to, I, I heard what you said, don't move for somebody else. But let's be fair for a second. Were you living with that person? That person was living with me. Okay, that person was living with you, and you were in a relationship that you, I have to imagine, thought was going to go... Yeah, far, didn't. So, (laughs) obviously it didn't, but, I mean, at the time, you didn't maybe necessarily know that, so if you're looking to have a life together with someone, and now you're at this kind of milestone, okay, tell me why it was, in hindsight, it's easy, but tell me why that was... (laughs) <laughs> the bad decision. It it was more of I jumped because it gave me a reason to leave, especially since I knew that they were gonna they were lowballing everyone, and I was just like, oh, I could probably do better in Austin. Like it, I say that jokingly, like don't move for somebody else. But had I not gone back, I would not have known what all changed since I left, and everything had changed. Everything had changed. Uh, the people I used to knew know they had flittered and moved about and done other things. Um, Programming, Python was the thing by the time I got back, that kind of thing. So uh, let's see, Python was a thing. Women Who Code was down there now, just all kinds of things. And so that's where my, that's where I flipped in back into getting interested back in programming because I lost that MSP job too. So so this is interesting because what do we say again? What year was it? It was... At this point, we're uh, we're at November 2014 up until beginning of 2018. So that took me through the MSP, a stint in project management, uh, un- fully unemployed, starting a boot camp, and then um, oh, I you started. That, you did a boot camp. I, I started a boot camp. I did not. That's a man. I could do a whole podcast on that particular thing. The short version is I started the, the boot camp, but they liked me, so they hired me. But when they hired me, they wouldn't let me do the work that I needed to do to finish the boot camp. It was a horrible experience. So there, I think there are a lot of people out there that think I've actually graduated from a boot camp. I have not graduated from a boot camp. Um, but it kicked. It had kicked off the things that, like the knowledge, like okay, I like this soft. I like this software thing. This engineering thing might be the thing. What they ended up doing though was they broke me because they made the experience so horrible that I didn't want to code for a while when I got back. Um, and I ended up at tech. So that was phase three of Austin. That was February, 2018. Um, anybody wants to hear more about that? You can hear that in my DevOps days talk. Cause there's a whole phase one, phase two, phase three. Uh, and I came back. Yeah. 2018 end of 2017. I broke up with the person that I moved with. Yeah. My grandmother passed away and I lost my job all in the same month. Oh my God. Well, look, they say things happen in threes. So boom, boom, boom. You're clear. I got it all up away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Came back to tech support uh, for a casino and had an interview with HashiCorp for one of their engineering positions. Was missing nice. one thing. Yeah, I was missing one thing, so didn't get it. But they remembered me. So when they opened up this um, apprenticeship position, they called me back. And I interviewed for that. And that's how I fully got into engineering. So as of 2018, that's when I pivoted, fully pivoted. See, that's what made you 
I, I want to talk about the HashiCorp thing for a second, right? Because you're in Austin. Twitter. I was Twitter in allowed you. Yeah, I was in Vix. I somebody I met while I was in Austin. I met Tamika Reed of Women in Linux at OSCON. I was at OSCON of all things and met oh. Tamika. Oh, and met Tamika Reed. Yeah, and met Tamika Reed. It was a volunteering uh, opportunity that she'd opened up through Women in Linux, and because I met her, once you meet Tamika, she kind of just pops you upside of the head, whether you want it or not. And I didn't want to interview for the position. And she fussed at me until I interviewed for the position that we found on Twitter. Um, and because I met the person that interviewed me for the first position, that person remembered me when the apprenticeship came available a year later. Well, it was six months later. And that's how I got to HashiCorp. That's amazing, right? Like you wouldn't have applied for that. You wouldn't have even thought about it. But this person recognized who you were and how capable you were and then kind of were you really like a little upset that you had to do it because you're kind of being forced? No, I needed that nudge. I'm very bad about applying for things. Um, remember that whole, if I don't think I can't do, if I don't think I can do it, I don't do it. I didn't feel like I was qualified enough. I actually was with the exception of one thing. Yeah, I'm glad she did push me. I mean, we still talk now. I still do stuff with women in Linux, um, even to this day. And she still fusses at me. She'll troll me in my in my talks now. We have this love-hate relationship with her only using the terminal and me going, the UI is good for some things. And so she trolls me and talks. Um, but that's how I got to HashiCorp. Yeah. So a conference. What made you decide to go to that conference? When I tell you, that's why I say all of Austin wasn't bad because I wouldn't have known about Blacks and technology. I would have not have known about women in Linux. I wouldn't have even known what an OSCON was had I not gone back to Austin that time. Blacks and tech, someone had told me about Blacks and technology because at that point I was with Women Who Code. Blacks and Technology had the volunteer opportunity for OSCON. And so I hosted a room. I was a meeting host. I mean, I was a room host. Because of the volunteering opportunity, I met Tamika. Because of Tamika, I ended up in Women in Linux. Because of Women in Linux and Tamika is how I ended up being forcefully being forced to apply for the position I found on Twitter. And that's how I got to HashiCorp. Wow. How long were you at HashiCorp for? Uh, 2018 up until April 2021. So I went from open source uh, HashiCorp to open source DA at uh, HashiCorp. And that's where I found my love for being a developer advocate. And now you've had to learn more Go and do like HashiCorp is one of the OGs when it comes to Go. They that's how I had to start learning it. Man, <laughs> look, let me tell you something about Go. Go is not horrible. Your brain just has to click a few switches for it to finally like this. Let me put it this way. It's not that I hate Go. I didn't like C++. I'm just going to say that. But it's not that I hate Go. It's that I didn't have a professional position with the language I did know. And so I still had all of the some of the knowledge floating around in my head that hadn't been applied on a regular basis since I wasn't with that position anymore. And they threw me into another position that I had to learn a completely new language only after having just learned Ruby. And I needed to learn the DSL for, for well, the, the HCL for, for Terraform and learn about AWS all at the same time. And the environment wasn't conducive to what I needed to know because at that point, Go didn't really have any handwritten projects, handwritten blogs and tutorials. A lot of it was still you 
honestly were the first name that popped up. Like, oh, Arden Labs. How much is that? That uh, or like other like meetups or something to learn it. There wasn't a lot of written stuff, which was the way I need to learn. I need concrete, concrete based, small wins for my brain to, you know. And man, that was rough trying to learn. So that was a love hate relationship for Go for a while. I can do it. I just need something that. I don't have anything I'm maintaining right now that would keep me. All right. Well, we're, we're going to talk after the, the show. I'm going to, I'm going to, we're going to talk about how I can help you uh, <laughs> be a, a, a wee bit better go developer. Some, <laughs> Thank you. Somewhere. I got, I always got projects going on. So okay. we'll, we'll, we'll figure that out. I, I, I do want to go back and explore how the kind of user groups were really big and kind of fundamental to, to kind of where you where you ended up were you participating a lot in these user groups at the like talk to me a little bit about how you found them and how how much were you really participating um whenever i got back to austin um it was one of those things where i was just like oh i need to find some stuff to do like let's see what's going on because meetup was like nice and full and popular at that point it was a pre-pandemic and i saw the women who code and i was like what is this women who code thing um and started going to the meetings and <laughs> i was like women who cut that sounds novel uh went to started going to the meetups ended up on the leadership board and so that's how i i i helped run a ruby tuesday meetup it was fun i had my group of people things were lovely you show up and you want to help i've told people you better learn how to say no because <laughs> you always need help yeah oh man let me tell you something they always need help and they don't care when they ask it's will you and you're just like eh, you had to ask me in a room full of 20 people didn't you i'll get you back for that one later but sure sure i don't buy it um but well the the rule is you're going to get 30 to 45 days out of somebody and then they're they're gonna what the new term now my favorite they're gonna quietly quit right so <laughs> i hate that term so much why would you call too. the thing? I'm like, you're, you're, you're entitled to everything that you're, you're <laughs> quietly quitting for. Just it's reframing, doing your job. Like you're literally just doing your job. It's not quiet quitting. I know it's horrible, isn't it? It is it's, horrible. It's, you know, we're going to, we're going to listen back on this in a couple of years ago and really laugh with that whole <laughs> quiet craziness. Um, but then women in Linux was remote only. Um, and so the, at that point, and they still do it, I just don't get to go as much. There's a weekly meetup for them. And so the point of those is to teach other people Linux or teach other people infrastructure related things. And so that's how I kind of got in full with them. Tamika and I think a lot of like about a lot of things, um, all the way down to that Linux manual that's back there on the, on the, on my bookcase. But like, um, so between those two. I was full on on things to do tech wise. And so I was inundated by it. Um, but people ask me, how did you, how did you, and, and they're always about knowing the right people, this, that, and the other. And I'm just like, I literally did it on Twitter and I am not a extrovert. I am not a very public person. The fact that you found me because I think it was Lee retweeted something. And that's how we got in contact. Well, if you go look, I think I'm just now at 900 followers. I didn't try to get those followers. I'm the least, advocacy advocating advocate that you'll find i'm not very public okay but you now have that job right yeah you now have that job like so 
t- t- wait, wait, wait. T- I'm going to interrupt you. And I'm sorry, but tell me, because we've got about, about 10, 15 minutes left, and I want to get to this. Right? You get at the end, uh, you do these three years at HashiCorp, which is an amazing opportunity, amazing people there. Everyone I've ever met there is, is great. Um, tell me how you end up um, where you are now with, uh, with Liz. Okay. This it's it's actually oh man, in a job that you have told me for an hour and twenty something minutes is <laughs> not, not in your wheelhouse. <laughs> <laughs> so, Liz and I talked about this recently, and we're more alike than we realize. So, the short version is, I did a talk at one of our company summits, um, and so the DA manager and I had started at the company within a month of each other. So she had her eye on me. And I found out that I like speaking. I actually do like speaking. Um, I'm a very much a light bulb person. And so at somewhere around 2020 is when I finally got a chance to move over to the DA role. I'm very big on beginner content, that kind of thing. And I'm very blunt and candid about what I do and don't know. And apparently people like that part. <laughs> so, so yeah. Um, Cause you, you'll, you come across as a real person that makes mistakes and is willing to say, I'm not, uh, Right, like you're not born with this stuff. So people, it it, it relaxes people. It relaxes is everybody. It is, oh, it is. yeah. It relaxes because people can now just okay. I don't have to like prove to anybody that I'm like. If, if she's saying that, then no, I can feel the same way. And so that's how I try to like. That's how I try to teach. Most of my talks are discovery talks because it forces me to learn something. I have a deadline. I have to give it to somebody else. So I do a discovery talk to force myself to learn. Um, I actually left HashiCorp to go to VMware as an engineer because <laughs> I, I felt like I hadn't given it a good enough jaunt, a good chunk of try. Yeah, six months, no. So uh, I left VMware, went to... What was the engineering job at VMware? What what team did you... What was the... Just real quick. What was I, was on the open so- I was on the open source team. So that was general... So no, no one specific OS project, just. No, I was under uh, Octo, but it literally is the open source team. So what comes out of that is anything related to SBOM, licensing, those kind of things. Uh, also maintaining like Python tough, go tough, that kind of thing. That team dealt with that. We aren't, tan- they weren't and aren't Tanzu. They're in a totally different business group just off up in the cut <laughs> like if you didn't know they were there they're there but you just got hired for an engineering role at that point to like write code every day to write code every day but they were gonna they knew i had the da experience and the speaking experience and so it was going to help make them a little bit more public than they had historically been um left there <laughs> took a da role at code fresh that lasted six months and somehow how in the world did oh Someone I knew from another position told me about isovalent and that they had the position open. And when I saw who the position was reporting to, I was like, well, I'll, I'll, let me see what happens. I'm glad you tried it. I, you know, I meet a lot of women who won't apply. And I've had to tell this to the 15 year old too many times because she's looking at colleges. And I like, you've already defeated yourself. You haven't even tried because you don't check every box. You haven't been doing that. I, I I didn't do it. And it was also because someone vetted it. And because Liz has a great reputation in the community. 
like that also helped. And I was really like, oh, what am I going to lose? Um, I applied there and a couple of other places and we had the best first convo. But what I liked about the entire experience, because the second person I talked to was actually the CTO. Um, they didn't force me. If there's, if there's one thing I've learned in all of these podcasts that have changed my mind from the time I started is I used to have this attitude where do your two years and keep that resume looking clean in that form. But I've changed my mind on that now. I, that was the other, because of how I was, you have to realize my mom worked for the hospital for 44 years. My dad worked as a truck driver for 20 and then worked for a couple of other places for 10 and 10 respectively. This whole idea of the great resignation, that's, I think I prefaced it by saying, I know this is going to sound like great resignation, but, but it also got me a salary that I didn't previously have that a lot of people outside of me said I should have had. And because I had that extra validation, it, it helped me because now I'm at a point where I'm just like, oh, well, here's some of the stuff I've been missing in the past couple of years. This money ain't bad. I'm not going to complain. But also, Liz. Like, it's Liz and the fact that I work with the maintainers of a very good project and co-creators of at least part of that project. Like, EBPF is everywhere now. And I don't, I, I will tell anybody, I still don't know what the hell I'm doing. I've only been there three months. But the environment is very conducive to learning, which works with my brain. It's an advantage that you don't know because that's the content they need right now. And you're going to be able to fill in that gap because the hardest challenge I've had over 10 years of doing this is trying to remember that somebody doesn't know this already. Yes. And that's how I'm approaching that podcast I was telling you about. I've got content that I've got planned out all over Notion and Obsidian and 15 other places where I've just got ideas. And I'm like, all these new people like me. I get to take them with me again. And I love that because I do like seeing that light bulb just when somebody goes, oh, and I'm like, yeah, that's how I felt last night when I figured out what the hell I was doing. Um, so yeah, like I like I like it. I get to fill in that gap, like you said, but also it's very conducive to try it. We don't care if you try it. And if it doesn't work, let us know why it didn't work and then try something else. But we're not going to jump on your head about it. Like do what you need to do to get things done. And if it keeps working, keep doing it. And I'm just like, that whole adult thing. You're perfect in this role. I'm at the point now where I say, if I've already written a blog about it, I can assume my reader or I can at least direct them there. I don't have to reiterate, right? And you're going to get to that point too once you start um, writing more. I, I am curious. You're there six months. You're there six months. You're there six months. I think you ended up I call it courage now. You had the courage to just take that leap of faith and say, this was not where I want to be and I, I need to move on. Where, again, I didn't grow up with that mentality. I used to not even preach that mentality. But I'm starting to realize that I think that's a better way to go at the end of the day. Like, it would be great to stay somewhere three years. And you did that at HashiCorp. But sometimes you got to bounce around to find that next three-year job like you are now. Yeah, I didn't expect that to work because I thought it was just going to work for everybody else but me. But I've got a nice little crew of people like that I trust that don't lie to me. And it's it's great. They I talked to one of them yesterday and I was just like, I don't think you understand how much you helped me by just talking to me, presuming that I know something, trusting that I'll ask you if I don't. And what I don't know, I'm going to go research so I don't feel stupid. Even if I do see bless your heart come across your eyes sometimes when we're talking. And she was like, no, you're right, because you're not stupid. 
And I don't think any a lot of people have given you the chance for you to realize you're not stupid. You're just inquisitive. And you like learning about 15 other ways to do things just in case those other ways are better. Where I grow up, where I grew up at, where I'm at right now, if you ask someone something like, why did you do that? They get defensive thinking that you're judging them on the choices that they made. When honestly, I'm going, your way might be better. So can I learn about that? And I have those people that know that, know how my brain works, know how to get information out of me so that I do get my talks done or <laughs> don't ramble in my talks and go 15 forks down on the other side of the crossroads. Like this, I have just, my poor, your conversation, I have waylaid you the entire time. I'm so sorry, but you're so pleasant to talk to. <laughs> I appreciate that. So I I I, I want to we gotta wrap this up in the next five minutes. I, I so every year I decide what tech it is I'm gonna learn that year, and I go hedge down and I build out projects and code, and that turns into training material. Training material turns into talks, and then I have what I need, usually for the next year to talk about while I'm learning the next thing. So, and and you have a very similar role that I have. Your job is to learn this tech, and and teach it. So others can be successful um, and right. You're cutting somebody's learning time down into, into days or hours, as opposed to the three months you needed to get there. But I'm, I'm kind of curious at a high level, kind of what's on your radar for the next, say three, three or six months or even the year, what is it that you would like to three, six or 12 months from now feel like you have a really strong handle on? My next project is literally because Kubernetes is, is in my brain in the worst way and I hate having to learn it. So I'm doing the all important home lab, but I'm gonna do it with a K3S instance so I can use Cilium in my home lab uh, and and do it that way so I can teach other people how to do it. A lot of people um, use like Lima and a lot of other different kinds of things for that kind of stuff or Docker. And I'm a fan of Rancher Desktop and like some of their products. And I'm also on Windows and people forget WSL exists. Um, so I'm gonna do most of that from WSL and then also like duplicated some of the stuff from my MacBook so I can get like two versions of some material I wanna write, maybe do a talk about it, but I'll probably just do like some personal videos and stuff like that on the Cilium side of things. See what I can do. And then once you have this cluster up and running, what's the next sort of goal that you have with this cluster outside of maintaining it <laughs> <laughs> imagine you want to build some apps and deploy it and try to do some ebpf and and other things that your company's kind of doing today uh outside of adding some GitOps to it uh because i want to do some some add some argo stuff into there play around with home assistant a little bit more i will probably stay on the psyllium tetragon side and not so much on the ebpf side i actually said it correctly i usually say pdf like peanut butter um you'll probably see more psyllium and tetragon content for me um tetragon is newly open source so i'm going to try to start doing a little bit of stuff with that on the beginner side um and then just grow with psyllium um try to get this podcast thing going um and see how that goes and see how my little YouTube videos go. I want to do concept videos. That's the other thing I'm going to be working on. So like small little concept. What is IPAM? IPAM? What is IPAM? All right. Here's a video on it. Uh, why do I need to know about this? Yeah. What's ingress and igre Going to do a video about it. Yeah. So that's what the other thing I'll be doing. I'll tell you, the YouTube was something I kind of pushed back on 
and I wish I hadn't because the YouTube has been really good for us at Arden, and, and we're finding that, believe it or not, the five-minute videos are better than than the like the one-minute videos. That's my. That's where I'm. I'm going for a five to seven-minute grab, just enough that you can watch it, but you don't get inundated or distracted outside of that. Yeah, and you can move on and come back. Um, so that's you know we're finding that too. How amazing is it that somebody who started off with this uh, trombone in her <laughs> hand <laughs> was going to be music and theater ends up in one of the highest tech companies on the planet working on tech like this. That's a wild journey there, huh? Thank you. I never thought about it like that. <laughs> <laughs> And you did not take a traditional route to get here, which is another reason why I love the story. Um, because it, again, it proves to me, I believe in education all the way through. And if you want that college education, go for it. But it doesn't have to be necessarily a computer science degree. I know a lot of people who have maybe other engineering degrees. You, you, you have a, a liberal arts marketing degree, right? and and kind of look where you you are today you don't have to figure it all out you just have to keep moving your life forward and i feel like if we were to recap your story even with you bouncing back and forth every move you made ends up being a step forward not really a step back and my uncle always told that to me bill i don't care what you do whatever decisions you make just always go forward don't go backwards and I feel like hearing your story, that's exactly what you did. Yeah, there's some there's some going backwards in there a little bit. I just didn't talk about that as much. Just, just little, little bits and bobs. Let's not call it backwards. Let's call it sideways because you're allowed to go sideways. Okay. I'll you're allowed that. to go sideways. Right? But yeah, I don't regret. Once I, once I started reframing that way, like I don't feel, I don't regret the moves I've made. My mom doesn't like them. <laughs> Look, things happen for a reason. If all those things didn't happen the way they did, who's to say your life would be better than it is right now? You can't, you can't say that, right? I, when I'm watching a game and we're like, we lost by three points, and if we had made that kick in the first quarter, we would have. I'm like, no, if you make that kick in the first quarter, everything changes. So it's the same thing. You make one little change and, and maybe you're, you're not where you are today. And I feel like from talking to you that, you're you're in a good place, at least career-wise right now. You're in a really good place. This is what you want to do. You're excited about the, the future. Um, and really, at this point, it's it's more about finding these things that are interesting to you and then just progressing moving forward. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad that travel's picked back up just a little bit because now I get to go to things like Cube Huddle or, you know, I get to host EBPF Summit that kind of stuff and those are still learning opportunities because i get to hear all these like great talks and stuff yeah yeah yeah. no no I, I got to finally teach two live classes this year in london and berlin it was like that so much i hate i hate talking in front of a camera oh i hate it <laughs> oh man i hate it so and and yeah it's so nice to see people and talk to people again this is this your first role where you're really going to be on site at a lot of conferences kind of doing this sort of work yeah, because by the time I started with being a DA at HashiCorp, literally like right after that is when the pandemic hit. And so everything went, we're fully, re we were fully remote there anyway, but all of the travel that I had done in 2019, <laughs> gone. 
<laughs> so this is the first time and people are getting they're like you're gone again i'm like yeah that's actually what my role does you're just not used to it um i'm gonna be exhausted over the next three months because i've got two sets of three weeks worth of travel but uh i'm happy about it like i get to immerse myself in learning and not be stuck here because as much as i am an introvert i do like to travel and get out just so i can breathe and clear my head and i get to do that over the next few weeks so yeah so I, I, I'm just going to give this last little piece of advice because it's, uh, it's easy to forget. And I'm not saying you're not doing this. I just want to, for the role that you're in. Remember now when you walk in a room, everybody's going to be like, oh, my God, Tracy. That, that's Tracy Holmes. No, they're not. Right? Oh, yeah, they are. They are. And most people are going to be afraid to talk to you. So what I, I, I want you to do is recognize that, okay? Always make yourself available in one form or another. And if you see anybody by themselves, oh, I just usually run to over. Them. Yeah, I do. Yeah, and have that conversation. <laughs> and it's and it's great when they don't know who you are because then they'll yeah, because it's. But at the same time, um, oh my God, Tracy just walked in the room. I'm gonna I'm gonna be in the room. Like, oh my God, Tracy just walked. And it's it's gonna be cool. Most people, there are people that know me, but it's not for like the tech stuff. Most of them know me because I don't shut up. Like I'm very open about how I feel about certain things, but I'm usually the only black person in the doggone room. That's how people know me. Yeah. You know, that's, an, I run an organization called GoBridge where we've really tried to help. Yes. I with love GoBridge. I have good luck with bathrooms at conferences. Let me tell you. <laughs> oh yeah. Cause you don't have to compete with the, <sighs> no competition. With a lot of people there. <laughs> It happens, but I'm going to take your advice. I never think somebody's going to be like, "Ooh, there's Tracy." I think I'm usually like, "Oh Lord, there's Tracy." So I'll try to reframe it the way that you you just told me to reframe. That. You're going to see. You're going to walk into. You're going to do enough of this YouTube, and you're going to you're going to publish enough stuff, and you're going to be helping a lot of people, and you're going to do these workshops, and you'll see people looking at you, and that that's your cue to go over and say, to say hi, because they won't come over to you, and you need to. That's kind of your role now. That, that's the only advice I want to give you. Just just keep that in the back of your head. That, that's your role. I'll see what happens. And then the you can go week. into your, then after the conference, you can go into your room and, and decompress. <laughs> and hide? Okay. All right. I'll, yeah. I'll do that. I'll do that. I'll promise you that. <laughs> All right, Tracy, this has been an amazing conversation. We went way over time, but I don't care. Sorry. <laughs> the story was, no, no, the story was great. I think it's going to help a lot of people who are kind of on a little bit of the same non-traditional path of high school college intern job like right like if you want to get into tech if you want to get into any field that you don't necessarily have a formal education in you can do it you just got to kind of keep that that focus there and find those jobs and don't be afraid to apply and and you see you know like you're a great example of all of that thank you all right. If anybody wants to reach out to you after the podcast, uh, what is the best way for someone to reach out? I made this joke for the, this is for the old people out there. All right. Look, I'm Tracy P as in Paul or Patrick Holmes all across the board. And if you're old enough to know what I'm about to say, you'll, you'll have no problem finding me. It's Tracy like Dick Tracy, P like Patrick, Holmes like Sherlock. And that's, everywhere github twitter i'm not really big on linkedin but you can probably ping me on linkedin also uh and i'm pretty open about responding even if i don't have my dms open sorry about that bill uh, <laughs> but that's 
No, you gotta you gotta open your DMs now. You gotta you gotta get open those DMs, Tracy. You gotta you gotta you gotta make that available now. You know, it's <laughs> trust me, I get some crazy DMs at times where I just show up my wife and I go, Baby, I'm showing you this right now because you know, I I didn't I did not did not in any way or form solicit <laughs> this here. Okay. <laughs> and then I go, and I'm getting this. I can't even imagine what like women and stuff like it's mind-blowing some so i appreciate that your dms are closed so Thank i'm just you. joking with you there <laughs> I, I totally appreciate it <laughs> all right we've had way too much fun here so this is tracy holmes and bill kennedy and the on labs podcast signing off thank you for joining us and hope to see everybody again real soon <laughs>